Hello and welcome to the Bliss Bean Show. I'm your host, Patrice, and on this podcast, we talk about how to design intentional days, create meaningful work, and get more out of life. Welcome back to the Wispin Show. Today I am talking again to my friend Madeline. You might remember her from the episode where we talked about seasonal affective disorder and things that one can do to prevent the disorder. We're actually almost done with winter, so I'm glad that episode isn't as necessary anymore, but if you want to listen to it, you can go to the show notes um, if you live in Australia or something. Um, so today we're going to be talking about a completely different topic, but... Another one that Madeline is very passionate about. So do you want to tell the audience what we're going to be discussing today? Today, we are going to be talking about the Myers-Briggs personality test, also sometimes called the Myers-Briggs type indicator, abbreviated MBTI, or as I like to refer to it, like just the cognitive functions and it, the extensions of it. And then um, we're going to give Patrice the test, and then we're going to answer some of your questions that you sent in. <laughs> From the listening audience. <laughs> so I have taken a version of the test in the past. So I think a lot of listeners might be familiar with the 16personalities.com test. Do you have any thoughts on this, Maddie? <laughs> Do I have thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Honestly, 16personalities.com, in like the Myers-Briggs online discussion, um, it gets a lot of slander because it doesn't use cognitive functions to type people. It just types people by letter, which leads to a very high rate of bias in certain directions where there shouldn't be bias, as well as um, like not seeing things through the cognitive function lens, which will probably give you your wrong type. It's kind of a meme online, like 16 personalities. Um, honestly, like if you took it there, it's fine. It's a fun test. You're I'll not admit a bad it. It person. You, you're not a bad person. <laughs> There's redemption for you. Um, <laughs> you know, like what all I'll say is that don't take the letters you get from that website to heart but it's always fun to read your description and then have your little icon and then um no not everyone's an infp that website is extremely biased um (laughs) if you like look at like who's shared like certain profiles like there's like really big outliers and like if you actually look online at the type distribution it is not at all representative of like that yeah So I brought up 16 personalities because that is the test that I have taken the most number of times. I've taken it like a few times throughout my life and like years apart. Every single time I took it, I got ISFJ, which is the defender. And I just never felt like the description fit me because for one, it's nicknamed the defender. And there was a little section that said, here are some careers that might fit your type. And it was things like nursing or teaching. And I've just never had any sort of interest in those fields. So I never paid much attention to that result. Um, Then you sent our group chat a different website. And I took it on that website and I got ESTJ, you said? Mm-hmm. which I was so confused by because my whole life I have gone around thinking I'm an introvert. I was kind of confused by that test, though, so I think I might have taken it kind of wrong. But another person commented on one video where I was talking about this topic, 
And they said, based on what I put out online, because they don't know me in real life, they predicted that I'm either an ISFJ or an INFJ. So we have all these possibilities floating around, and I'm hoping that today we find out the true, true type. That's so interesting because I was actually going to give you, like, not to give any spoilers because you haven't even, like, taken the test yet, Uh Um, at least the one we're going to take on the show, but I would actually put you as, like, an ISTJ, but we'll see. Who is the winner? The stakes are raising. (laughs) I know everyone (laughs) listening is just on the edge of their seats. (laughs) Yeah. Please have your seatbelts on during this podcast. Yes. Can you very quickly define for people what cognitive functions are, just in case they're not sure what that is or they've only taken the 16 personalities one? Yes. So cognitive functions, um, there's a lot of good descriptions online, but what I will say is that they're basically, everyone has a function stack and that function stack helps determine your type. There are eight different cognitive functions and you'll have four of those in your stack. I would definitely um, look into the eight different cognitive functions and all they are related to are your preference for sensing, your preference for intuition, those are your perceiving functions, and then feeling and judging, those are your judging functions, or sorry, feeling and thinking are your judging functions. I am not making this easy on the listener right now, and I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but there, you may be thinking, like, that's only four. Well, that's because there's introverted and extroverted versions of all four of those functions. They all mean different things. If you take this um, Sacanorva test that I'll be giving Beatrice, um, it'll kind of give you a little summary or maybe some guides on where to start reading about these cognitive functions. All right, let's do this then. I think I'm ready. Yeah, um, I just wanted to give a few quick disclaimers. So first of all, <laughs> side I effects do not may have include a- side. <laughs> if you start vomiting violently, then maybe this podcast isn't for you. I'll mute my mic. You don't have to listen to that. <laughs> the limitations of this test: what is this test useful for, and what is it not useful for? So another meme in the like online MBTI conversation is people like extrapolating this the use of this test to like things that it's not there's a way you can approach this with a growth mindset and there's a way you can approach this with a fixed mindset and i would say that the growth mindset can help you develop your cognitive function stack and help you understand like maybe yourself maybe others a little bit better and can even help you sort of figure out roles in a workplace. It doesn't have to be a workplace. It could be any group um, where you have to work together or even like careers you might be interested in. Again, that's that's careers you might be interested in, not careers you should go with, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So like if Patrice saw that she was supposedly supposed supposedly. to be a teacher, supposedly... <laughs> And she just, like, hung her head and she said, okay, and then went on the teaching track because of 16personalities.com said, I would be a little bit concerned (laughs) as a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Although I'm sure you would make a wonderful teacher. I can see how that could be draining for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know you're awesome. (laughs) We literally, we spent a day together in a classroom and I could barely handle it. So I think you saw that day. (laughs) The limitations of this test, once again, are you see your type, you see the stereotypes, you take it too far. Pretty self-explanatory. It goes for Hogwarts houses, too. Like, (laughs) this is just true of anything that involves stereotypes. But this test can be also be extremely useful and... 
a lot of people will claim it's pseudoscience, but I, like, even if it's, like, not, doesn't apply the scientific method, there is, like, dispute in, you know, among psychology professors of its validity. I think that if it's helpful for you, then it's, it straight up is helpful. And for me, it has been extremely helpful. Otherwise, I wouldn't spend hours a day reading about it. <laughs> so we're going to find out. Um, so Patricia took the test on a few different websites. And one of her followers sent in a test called Sacanorba that also types using cognitive functions. I've taken the test on this website and it's pretty cool. I, I actually strongly recommend this one. When taking the test, I would actually recommend typing in cognitive function tests instead mm. of like the Myers-Briggs because the Myers-Briggs might like, you know, charge you like 50 bucks or um, give mm. you something inaccurate. So instead type cognitive functions tests and there'll actually be a few useful ones that come up. Great tips. <laughs> Thank you. Patrice, <laughs> um, do you feel ready? I am ready to know myself. So in this portion of the episode, Madeline guides me through taking the cognitive functions test. There are 96 questions in total and we answered every single one. So if you're interested in hearing my individual responses and a little bit of commentary, feel free to listen to this. Just a disclaimer, I did cut out a lot of the pauses between questions and answers. So if it sounds like I was very sure of myself in answering these questions, I assure you I was not. Otherwise, if you want to skip ahead to where I get my result, that is going to be at about the 28 minute mark, but I'll put the exact timestamp in the show notes. Patrice, I'm going to have you give me a number from one to five, one being a strong no, three being middle, and five being a strong yes to each statement. And you can also answer two or four. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, number one, you value truth and logic more than anyone else. Should I kind of try to answer what I first think, or is it bad to think about it too deeply, basically? I don't think it's bad to think about it. I think either of those reactions are just valid <laughs> and fine. Okay, um, three. You are extremely objective and tell it as it is. Three. You believe your presence is greatly felt in a room. Four. You often arrive at conclusions that seem to come out of nowhere. You relate to realizing answers. Two. You prefer living in your dreams to living in the real world. Two. You have been consistently logical throughout your life. Five. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's nodding. <Totally. laughs> you see so many possibilities that you have trouble committing to a single one. Four. You easily recognize internal bodily sensations and act to suit your body's needs. Three. You follow a consistent routine. <laughs> Screaming five. <laughs> you have a strong tendency to see things as either good or bad. Two. Really? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm just learning about you. Uh, you cannot help but get hung up on the small details. Three. You thrive on new and exciting experiences. Two. You place a lot of values on details and past experiences. Four. You can easily think of something random to say. One. <laughs> what are you saying? Uh, what? I, would, I would actually give you like a three. In what situation would you need to say something random? I'm a little confused. 
This is why like, I have if you were you... trying to be if you're trying to make a joke or be funny, I feel like you're pretty quick on your feet with that kind of thing. Well, thank you. Okay, let's go with three then. You are an excellent problem solver and have an incredible ability to analyze things in depth. Four. You become upset when your care for others goes unappreciated. Three. You absorb information from the outside world without additional processing. Two. (laughs) You easily sympathize with others' struggles. Two. You relate present experiences to past experiences. (laughs) She's like, wow, she's a terrible person. Patrita <laughs> confesses to not feeling emotions on camera. <laughs> That's going to be the clickbaity title. I don't feel emotion? Question mark, you need mark. to see this. <laughs> okay. Oh, goodness. Sorry, what was this one again? You, you relate present experiences back to past mm. experiences. Oh, five. You dislike change. Uh, four. You express yourself honestly and authentically. Four. You may be viewed as fake or manipulative to others. <laughs> well, I guess then a five. <laughs> um, I would say two. Just you a little aware? manipulative. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a little manipulative too. Aren't we all? <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> um, you are aware of your surroundings and aren't likely to miss something right in front of you. One. <laughs> Really? Okay, two. Okay. I'm, I'm just learning about you. Mm-hmm. You have a strict internal moral code that comes from within, regardless of any external standards. Two. You may be viewed as meddling or controlling to others. One. You may be viewed as whiny and or depressive. Uh, 2020 or in general? <laughs> <laughs> um... Two. Well, three. Sorry. What do, what do you think? I think two is just fine. Okay. Not whiny. Okay. Maybe a little depressed. <laughs> <laughs> you may be just... It's okay, I am too. Yeah. Uh, you may be described as ditzy or scatterbrained. One. <laughs> you are able to manipulate conversations by reading others' body language. Three. You would rather sugarcoat a problem than upset someone. Four. You're hesitant to strictly conform to social rules. Four. You stay true to yourself. Four. You're described as stuck in your ways. Two. You understand a concept by logically recognizing and drawing patterns between different already known concepts. Okay, this is one of those questions where I feel like I need an example, you know? Well, let's start, okay, let's reread it in break, I feel like this is like a two-parter. Uh-huh. You understand a concept by logically <laughs> I recognizing- I don't understand concepts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just read the first five words, one. <laughs> you understand a concept by logically recognizing and drawing patterns um, between different already known concepts. You can um, see the connections between like your math class and your economics class without having it explained to you. Four. (laughs) You are drawn towards the abstract and often obsess over meanings. Three. You may be seen as reckless and unknowingly hurt those around you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's a one. One. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not even going to let you answer that one. Okay. (laughs) 
You are blunt and straight to the point in communication. One. Were you saying one, two? What did you, what would you say? Like a three. I feel- You're a good communicator. Maybe not blunt. Okay. Uh, let's go with two. Fair. Let's compromise. You are a brainstormer. (laughs) You offer a multitude of different ideas in a given situation. Four. You streamline existing systems for the sake of efficiency and productivity. (laughs) Five. (laughs) I wish I could give you a ten. Fake people bother you. Five. (laughs) Absolutely. Why would anyone say no to that? I guess some people are less bothered by it, but I feel like most people are bothered by that. Yeah, I don't don't think, it's definitely not saying you enjoy fake people. Mm Mm-hmm. You enjoy being manipulated. <laughs> Love it. You consider yourself an organized pers- person and take control of situations before they get out of hand. Five. You're often the first to react to a question. Um, okay, a little confused about, you say two, why? <laughs> because I think this is like a question, like, ans- like, like if the teacher asks the class a question. Uh... Like, maybe you might have an answer in your head, but are you, like, super likely to, like, answer it right away and, like, want to share that answer? But is this about sharing it with other people? Like, is this about social shyness, or is it more about wanting to answer questions? Um, I mean, like, both. I I can explain that a little. I feel like Mm -hmm. a common trait of extroversion is, like, being able to react immediately Whereas introversion uh-huh. takes a bit more time to react to both ideas and physical situations. Okay, I feel like I need some time in meetings, for example, to think about stuff. So let's say two. You modify internal logical frameworks to account for new data, and you sometimes find yourself reevaluating them when new data is incompatible with it. Four? You are a risk taker. Two. Would you say more? Um, I just, based on your travel habits, I think you're a very well-planned traveler, Uh but you also, you know, you're willing to, I think that even going to a foreign country by yourself before you're even an adult is like, or were you 18 when that happened? I don't know. Is kind of a risk no matter how much you plan. I agree. Um, Because something I've noticed is that my dad kind of balances me out in that he's always trying to make me pause and think things over and I just want to go I just want to move forward even if even if it's like a little risky I can't think of any specific example but I feel like my attitude is generally I don't want to wait I want to rush forward um so let's go three you constantly set yourself on goals and objectives (laughs) I I would say right now a four you often use analogies and similes to communicate new ideas four You are fiercely individualistic and pride yourself on your uniqueness. Say a five. You just know things without being able to consciously put them into words. Um, what might someone know? Like, I'm thinking of social situations where you have an intuition about someone else. Is that it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um. Yeah, no, that's a good example. Let's go three. You generally work through problems with others and involve yourself with other people to arrive at a conclusion. Uh, I would say, like, if it's a personal problem, then a two. 
You take on subjects with a burning interest only to drop them once they no longer feel new to you. This is a question that's on a lot of MBTI tests, like, basically in this exact same format, and it makes me laugh so hard, like, every time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, two. You trust hard facts and data more than anything else. Three. You tend to express sympathy only after you (laughs) empathize with someone. Uh. Is it hard for you to show care for someone unless you've been in their same situation? Yes. So a five? Yes. You greatly value social harmony and often go out of your way to maintain it. Four? You see the big picture in a sea of details. (laughs) Um, uh, what would you say? A three. I think you see both the big picture and the details. Awesome. Um, you find it difficult to concentrate on a single subject. One- You find yourself agreeing with those who claim that the ends justify the means. Four. Mm. Okay, yeah. (laughs) You often feel awkward and aimless during leisure time. Uh, four? Nervous laughter. (laughs) (laughs) You exude charisma and are usually viewed as charming by others. Well. (laughs) Um, I would like to think so. Well, let's say four. You have trouble communicating your ideas with people. Two. You would do whatever it takes to win a debate. Two. You rely only on past experiences to guide yourself through the present. Two. You have an uncanny ability of recognizing others' needs. Can you tell when your brother is sick right away? Okay, that's not a good example. Are you able, if your brother is sick, uh-huh. are you, do you have an uncanny ability to recognize what you might be able to do to help him? Um, sort of. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, if a doesn't have feelings or care about sick, or sick brother. Yes. Cool. Um, I'm messing around. Did you say two? Yeah, sure. You try to help people to the point where you forget to take care of your own needs. Um, one. You sometimes fail to adapt to new data because it is not consistent with your personal understanding of an idea. Four. You like to organize things for pleasure. Pleasure? (laughs) Uh, For enjoyment. Five. You imagine things that aren't directly connected to the real world. Um, three? You live in the present, not the past or the future. Uh, (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, two. You have trouble communicating with those who do not think like you. Four. You have an eye for aesthetics and enjoy the finer things in life. Five. (laughs) You value inclusion and try your best to involve everyone in a group. (laughs) This is making me feel like a bad person. (laughs) No! Um, I I would probably give you like a three or four for that one. Really? Um, three. You rely on external sources to support your argument. Um. When you're writing an essay and you write down an idea, do you know like what websites you should go to to back up your idea? Do you know the facts right away that you need to cite? Sorry, do you know what facts, 
like you should say, not the facts themselves. The facts. <laughs> do you intuitively know? The next question is, do you intuitively know everything? <laughs> Three. That's the cop-out answer. That's not a cop-out. Don't you worry. <laughs> you are skilled at recognizing whether the details in front of you match what you are used to. Um, Four? You place a great amount of trust in the mysterious and unconscious world. Four. You feel as though you are one of the only truly nice people left in this world. <laughs> oh that question God. always makes me laugh, too. <laughs> one. There's so many nice people. You greatly value tradition and duty. I feel like that's an interesting one because tradition and duty I see as two different things. Ooh. I'm going to say two. You have a tendency to go off topic in a conversation. I mean, come on. <laughs> Doesn't everyone? <laughs> it's a style. That's like. Um, four. You frequently have hunches or insights about the future that turn out to be correct. Ooh, I can't think of a single example. <laughs> okay, so a one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. You are unnerved by uncertainty and the unknown. Um, three? You see the world as a bundle of possibilities waiting to be explored. Oh, five. Adorable, okay. <laughs> you become stubborn and resolute in the face of opposition when it comes to your personal beliefs. Four. You feel a strong sense of unity when communicating with others in a group. Um, four. You live in the here and now. Uh, Three. You start many different projects, but you finish few. I feel like we already <laughs> did something like this. Um, two. You work through problems by yourself and detach yourself from other people to arrive at a conclusion. Um, four. You always try to communicate tactfully with people. Four. You would question anything. Two. Generally, you would prefer a solution be thorough before be putting it into action at the cost of time. Um, two. You may be viewed as selfish or self-centered. Hmm. <laughs> Honestly, maybe I want to say four. No. <laughs> it sounds but like Tracy I'm fishing for compliments. Every- <laughs> remembers every birthday every like before i even remember my birthday she remembers my birthday <laughs> i'm gonna give you a two is that okay yeah yeah okay yeah you're you were it's okay <laughs> you explore things in depth for purely the sake of exploring them in depth one <laughs> you are attracted to symbolism mysticism and the unknown three you have an excellent sense of direction and instantly know your way around a new place. <laughs> One. <laughs> you feel as though your insights often go misunderstood. Two. You consider yourself a practical and realistic person, free from imagination. Four. You believe that arriving at a truth is more important than winning an argument. Four. You are drawn to the new, novel, and original. Hmm. You often use metaphors to communicate new ideas. Um, I feel like we had an analogy one. 
that was similar to this question. Uh, I think you said four for that one. So, sure, let's go with four again. You come up with internal logical frameworks, theories, and systems to describe the world around you. Um, four? Okay, so <gasps> that was the- hold up. <laughs> Can I get a drum roll, please? Because we're about to submit your results. Okay. Okay, so I actually was right in my prediction. You got ISTJ. So I am an introvert. <laughs> yes. I. That's actually what my dad is. Um, And he- ISTJs are, like, one of the considered, like, more ambiverted types along with mm. ENFPs and ENTPs and ISFJs. Mm-hmm. Interestingly. Once someone gets the result, what do you recommend they do with it? What learning resources would you go to next? And what steps would you take once you know that information? That's a really good question. Um, I would say um, there are a lot of good online places to look into this. You can even, um, through social media sometimes, I wouldn't say go there first, mm-hmm. but it is an interesting place to explore this. Um, I, there's a few cognitive function books out there. Actually, I have one adjacent to me. This one is called Introduction to Type and Communication. There is a, a bunch of good YouTube channels as well. Um, there's the Frank James YouTube channel, which takes a more, like, humorous approach to the content, but, um, also kind of answers some questions. And then I also saw, actually, in, um, the same letter that recommended the second Orva test is a YouTube channel that she watches that I also watch and, like, love to learn about. I really like it because he talks thoroughly about cognitive functions. Now, to, do we want to talk a little about your type? Yes. Do you have any more insights for me? In this book I have that's called Introduction to Type and Communication by Donna Dunning, ISTJs are, um, 11.6% of the population. Okay. Um, and they're often called the logical assimilator. They specialize and stabilize. So with dominant introverted sensing, um, you're inwardly taking in and assimilating relevant information. Auxiliary TE, it means you're outwardly logically decisive, focused on accomplishing tasks. Tertiary FI, um, introverted feeling, means that as they mature, consider personal impacts of decisions. And inferior, extroverted intuition, means developmental challenge is to seek and act on new ideas. Does that mean, so I struggle to seek and act on new ideas? Yes. It says it's a developmental challenge, so it means, like... It's a challenge, but it's also developmental, so you'll get there. <laughs> so something you can develop. Work on. Work on. <laughs> just Let's just use the same words over and over. Let's just... Re- <laughs> exactly. Interesting thing about these stacks is that they're preferences, oh. not necessarily... Like, so priorities, I think, is another good word for it. So, like, just because this says you don't prioritize new ideas doesn't mean you don't. It just means mm. that... In your list of priorities, at least for this model, it comes fourth. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I feel like on the questions in the test, uh, when it asked about kind of how, how open are you to new things or are you drawn to novel experiences, I generally rated myself pretty low on those. Yeah. Interestingly, so um, my, like I said, my dad is an ISTJ and I do definitely see similarities in your behavior. I see you both as, like, consistent, like, decisive people with distinct hobbies and, like, Mm -hmm. 
um, routines and um, basically I see ISTJs as like the reason society keeps moving mm-hmm. because obviously like obvi- you know all these types contribute something different yeah um, all humans contribute something different and you know not everyone is able to be condensed into 16 different types but ISTJs and ISFJs I feel like are the most common type for a reason uh-huh. um, because they focus on maintenance, mm. which just means maintaining order or maintaining civil interactions in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, Maddie, what is your type? <laughs> so I usually get INFP. Uh-huh. Um, lately, though, Ooh. I so the cognitive function stack for INFP is... FI, then NE, then um, SI, then TE. So we actually have the same four cognitive functions, just in a different order. Mm. But lately, I have been getting INFJ and ENFJ as well. So, um, And I think the reason for that, that's actually a pretty common thing in MBTI, is if a person has been under a lot of stress or... Um, I won't say a crisis, but um, just like in a situation where they have to adapt, let's just say, they can go into their shadow function, which is that would, that's just like when you're basically you have the same function stack, but it's, it flips from like introverted to extrovert. That would take a very long time to explain. So I thought we could answer some of the audience questions because you mentioned that you've been getting between an I and an E. And so some people were asking, what does it mean if your MBTI changes? And other people were wondering, can it change at all? So, okay. So yes, it's true. I get like I and E, like I usually land on I and I usually land on P, but sometimes I get J as well. Um, But I do get different results. So what does this mean? First of all, can it change? sort of Mm. um and the reason i say sort of is because in theory it shouldn't what um there's a few things that might happen so if your type changes from test to test especially if you're taking multiple tests in one day usually that's like the fault of the test which is why i say it's very like important if you want to get an accurate result to type using cognitive functions Mm -hmm. and not like i don't know the debater or the <laughs> the counselor. I don't know. Um, <laughs> more more sixteen personality slander. I'm yeah. sorry. I can't help it. The reasons it might change are again because someone's under a lot of stress, or there is a healthy way it can change, which means you're just developing the rest of your function stack. Mm. So, for example, it says you know in your profile as you develop FI and NE, which are your tertiary and quaternary functions. You might try to prioritize those more in the future, and who knows? You might test mm-hmm. the way I do someday, and I might test the way you do someday, since we have those like positions kind of flipped in our stack. Mm-hmm. The answer to the question, can you be between two or more types, is sort of. Not all INFPs, for example, have the same preference for have the same degree of preference for their dominant function even. But usually it's, I would, I feel like most people are able to sort of land on a type after doing significant research on the cognitive functions. If you do that and still don't get like a direct answer, then it's, I I would say it's like very possible that you're between 
one or more typed, but then you have to like get into specifics and honestly, like if if you want to do that, go for it. So, and then to the question like what's the difference between feeling and thinking and intuition versus sensing? So, this is a good question. So, like we said, Matrice's stack is introverted sensing, then extroverted thinking, then introverted feeling, then extroverted intuition. So she is a dominant sensing type, and dominant sensing types are usually very practical, concerned with concrete, specific, visible details. And so as a dominant SI user, this is focused, again, like on maintenance, on past experiences, on seeing things as they are, whereas extroverted sensing is a very present, sensation-seeking And when I say sensation, I mean like either you know what your body, you know, needs at the moment or seeking the most out of what you have, basically. And then her second one is extroverted thinking. Um, Your second function is a service to your first function. So extroverted thinking, I think in one word, I would describe this as an efficiency. Like efficiency is like, you know, systems, routines, the best way to make things work, basically. Oh, and I I should talk about introverted thinking as well. Well, extroverted thinking is more concerned with external logical frameworks. Introverted thinking is more concerned with internal logical frameworks. That means nothing if I don't, like, explain it further. So, um, basically, the, while I would give TE, which is the abbreviation for extroverted thinking, like, the word efficiency, TI is about logical consistency. And it's important to say logical consistency because... That doesn't necessarily mean you're consistent in every area of your life. This function is very concerned with what is the truth? What is the impersonal, like, absolute truth? Now, let's get to FI. So this is actually my dominant function and Patricia's third function. This is, are you being true to yourself? How do you really feel about things? What are your values? It's very individualistic because it's concerned with how to help people best become the best version of themselves. Extroverted feeling, on the other hand, is more concerned with the emotions of, or like the overall dynamic of a group. It's concerned with unity um, and um, taking in the overall values of the group as opposed to the values of the individuals in the group, which may seem minor, but it's actually a very important distinction because the values of the group can be very different from the values of the individuals in the group. It's it's commonly like thought of as like the caretaking function. It just picks up on people's needs. Whereas introverted feeling can also, you know, be concerned with people, but more so authenticity than unity. And then, so her last function is extroverted intuition. That's just the taking in of new ideas, kind of spitting them back out. Thinking of new possibilities, exploring new ideas, and being able to kind of think on your feet, sort of. And um, introverted intuition that's like going consistently with one idea, being very future-oriented, seeing patterns. Um, I like to describe the difference of like the four perceiving functions in time. So SI, introverted sensing, is concerned sort of more with the past extroverted sensing with the present, introverted intuition with future, and extroverted intuition is all over the place. (laughs) Um, 
So that is that super quick summary of the eight cognitive functions. Love Who, again, his channel talks about them in depth a lot more than I ever could. So mm-hmm. there you go. And then you recommended also the book Intro to Type and Communication. Then we had a listener question who asked, how do I tell my friends that my introversion doesn't mean I never want to go out? That is hilarious <laughs> because I think... um there's a lot of like misconceptions about what introversion and extroversion actually are. Um, there's like a meme that you might see online that's like introversion versus extroversion quizzes are basically like, would you rather sit in your room alone for 500 years reading a book or go, or go out and do drugs with 500 of your closest friends? So it's more nuanced than that. It's a lot more nuanced than that. Um... Again, the best way to find if you know relate more to introversion and extroversion is just using cognitive functions and seeing what which of the functions speaks most to you. And if that function is introverted or if that function is extroverted, that probably has more to say about whether you're an introvert or extrovert or not. Now, granted, my my most my um, top function is introverted feeling, and a lot of people when they meet me, they're like, "There's no way you're an introvert," and I'm like, "That's valid," because I I understand that. I, but I also do take a long time to process my own emotions through art and music and like that kind of thing. So sometimes it's like reactivity. Sometimes it's time spent by yourself. Other things like that can help sort of figure out. I feel like more more often the problem with being an introvert and uh, having friends is kind of the opposite. That there's more expectations for you to go out and engage and talk to people than you have available energy for. If you're an introvert, there are benefits and drawbacks to being an introvert and an extrovert and to having any of these preferences. I would say actually just tell us the same thing you told them, which is, hey, friends, my introversion doesn't mean I don't ever want to go out. Like, I, it's just that, you know, introverts in general might need, might prefer to stay in than go out in a lot of situations. That doesn't mean they, like, never leave their house. Like, that, mm-hmm. like it just means, like, they might prioritize other things. Yeah, yeah. And not all going out is equivalent, I would say. I always notice that if I don't really click with a person, then having a conversation with them, especially a one-on-one conversation with them, drains me. And I feel like I have no social skills and I'm just struggling through the whole conversation. But if I click with someone, because, you know, they always say, like, to know if you're an introvert or an extrovert, do you get energy from being alone or from being with other people? But if I click with someone, I feel super energized after talking to them. So I think that's what confuses me. But I guess after doing the cognitive functions test, then that does confirm I'm an introvert. It's just... I would actually say that introversion and extroversion, this is like totally like off the record, my personal opinion. Introversion and extroversion and perceiving and judging, I find are like the two groups that people get straddled the most between Mm. um and i think that could be related to culture or they could truly be like the most variable Mm -hmm. but um yeah that might be something to look into that's just like a kind of a theory i have yeah thank you everyone for sending in questions for our mbti expert today Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. We definitely want to continue the conversation about MBTI. So 
This episode will probably go up very early in the morning, but later today I'll be posting on Instagram and I encourage you guys to take that same test that we took today and let us know what result you get in the comments. Um, we'll do a statistical analysis of what the MBTI or cognitive function distribution of Blispeen viewers and listeners is for research purposes. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Madeline, Maddie, <laughs> and sharing all of your wisdom with us. Well, thank you, Patrice, and I hope that this was helpful a little bit. Um, again, take MBTI with a grain of salt because it is fun. Um, but yeah, I hope we all learned something today. I mean, I learned something today. So I guess I finally know my true MBTI type, ISTJ. I thought it was really cool that Madeline actually predicted that for me and she was correct. That one person who commented on that one video where they were trying to guess my MBTI type, they clarified that they don't know me in real life. So the only information they're working with to try and guess at my type is what I present online. So I think it's an interesting thing to think about based on what I omit from the internet and other things that I emphasize, I might display not an entirely different personality, but a slightly different personality to what I actually am like in real life. So anyways, three takeaways from today's episode. I think the first very helpful tip, I did not know before I talked to Madeline about this that the 16personalities.com website is widely considered to not be a very accurate test because I was not super involved in the MBTI online discussions or that entire world in general and so that was the only test I knew about. It looked super professional, had cute illustrations. That was what we took in my AP psychology class, like our teacher gave us that um, test to take when we were doing the unit on personality testing. So just like Madeline said, it's totally fine to take it, it's fun to take, but if you want something that focuses a little more on cognitive functions and will give you a more accurate result, then there are plenty of other tests out there and I've linked some in the show notes that you can take. The second takeaway was that with your MBTI results or any sort of personality testing, a uh, personal favorite of mine is the Enneagram. With anything like that, you can take your result and approach it with a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. You can look at your result and think, well, gosh darn, I am just destined to this fate. For example, Enneagram 3s can be overly concerned with their image, have problems with workaholism, competitiveness. So I could look at that and think, well, that sucks. I'm just going to be a workaholic for the rest of my life. Or I could look at those possible traits and see that as specifically the things that I need to work on, but then also look at my strengths. Strengths of a three are that they are, I'm reading this from the EnneagramInstitute.com website, they are self-assured, attractive, charming, ambitious, competent, and energetic. So I can focus on maximizing my strengths and working on my challenges rather than just accepting that the way I am now, the way that I tested, is going to be how I'm going to be for the rest of my life. And then the third takeaway, Madeline mentioned that knowing your MBTI type is helpful for when you're working with other people, whether that's in the workplace, at school, or other environments. And so in addition to personal development and just looking at how can I maximize my strengths, how can I work on my challenges, you can also look at the types of the people around you to better understand how they process information, how they think, how they work in the world, how you can interact with them just to achieve a little bit more harmony. 
So my action step for today I think is pretty obvious. If you aren't already sure about your MBTI type, I think it would be super fun if you took the test that I took on this podcast episode. Please share your results with me on Instagram. I would love to get a little informal survey of what Blissbean readers and viewers are like. For Blissbean updates, I am super excited for Friday's video because a couple of weeks back I did a solo podcast episode about mental health and I talked extensively about my experience having an accountability buddy and I mentioned that I was going to be making a full video on that topic so this is the week, the full video is coming and I'm so excited for you guys to see it. I also saw that there are new features being added to the premiering function on YouTube. So for those of you who don't know, I usually premiere videos, which means that they will go live at a certain time and there's a chat box next to the video where everyone can talk together while they're watching the video. No one can skip ahead, so it's kind of like you're in a movie theater watching it together for the first time. I think they're adding a feature where you can do a live stream beforehand, so for things like live Q&As. I don't know if I'll be able to do that this week, but let me know if that is a, a feature or an aspect to the premieres that you would be interested in having. Finally, my one recommendation for today, if you're listening to this episode, I'm guessing you're just interested in personality typing in general, so I really enjoy learning about the Enneagram, and one of my favorite books about that is The Wisdom of the Enneagram by Don Richard Rizzo. I'm not sure exactly how these systems fit together, if there's any strong correlation between what MBTI type and what Enneagram type people get, but they're just different systems for slightly different purposes, I guess. So it's fun to check both out and see which one resonates the most with you. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about The Bliss Bean and connect with me on YouTube and Instagram at TheBlissBean and TheBlissBean.com. If you'd like to sign up to receive the show notes in your inbox every Wednesday morning, that's TheBlissBean.com slash podcast. If you have a listener question, comment, or suggestion, you can send a voice memo to hello at TheBlissBean.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.